Amen. If you could stand with me for the reading of God's word, I'm going to tell you something about God. If you're a child of God, and most everybody in here is, not maybe not everybody, but most everybody, we, we have a picture of God. What is God to you? Who is God to you? Well, he's Savior, he's Redeemer, he's Provider, he's Deliverer. But what I want us to, to walk away from this current series we're in is that he's also our guide. He's called a shepherd. Well, a shepherd is not a shepherd unless he's guiding sheep. And he's called the Great Shepherd, capital G. He's our shepherd. And it may not even have occurred to some of us that God wants to be integrally involved in all the decisions of our life. He wants to guide us. He literally wants to direct our life. He wants to lead us. He wants to order our steps. He wants to be our guide in life. And so I'm going to talk to you today about positioning yourself for God's guidance. Positioning yourself for God's guidance. We started this series uh, last time I was here. And by the way, thank you to Jonathan for stepping in for me last week when I had no voice. Amen. Bless you, Jonathan. It's good to have preachers in the house when the main preacher's voice doesn't work good because I was down with something and I had about 30% of my voice, so I didn't want to come in and squeak. So Jonathan preached for me, did a great job. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. Now, let's read out of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Most familiar portion of Scripture in the Bible for some of you. This is one of the top 10 quotes. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't depend on your own understanding. Now listen carefully to what it's telling us. Because this is telling us how to position ourselves for guidance. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? Now that's the promise. I love verse 7 for all of you high IQ people. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Amen? Amen. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Amen. Amen. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Pray you bless it in Jesus' mighty name. Give us wisdom. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand what you're saying to the church today. Help us to understand guidance and wisdom and to get a fresh grip on the reality that you want to guide our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's a guiding shepherd. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, last time we talked about the very first step in positioning yourself for God's guidance, and it was trust. That's the very first step in positioning yourself for God's guidance. Because if you don't trust him, you're not going to let him guide you. Now, let me say that again. If you don't trust him, you're not going to let him, you're not going to seek him to guide you. We got to trust him. And we're living in a, in a culture with a trust deficit. Trust is harder and harder to find. Um, and, and that's what the Bible says. Then the last days, men would betray one another, not trust one another. So here's the deal. 
It's hard to trust. And you know what? It's hard to trust God with that. Whatever that is, that thing that you cleave to, that you love the most, that you cherish the most, it's hard to trust God with that. For some of you, it's a job, a career, a person, a place, a thing, a dream, an aspiration. It's hard for you to trust God with that. Well, if I turn loose of that, no, tell me what God's going to do with it. And I don't know that I trust what he's going to do with it. Some people don't get saved because they don't trust that God is not going to turn them into something they don't want to be. Let me, let me tell you, God does not turn people into freaks. He turns freaks into people. And I know because I was one, right? Uh, if you can see pictures of me from way back when, I look really freaky. But God is never going to make you be something you don't want to be. He's going to make you, cause you to be everything you, you could never have been without him. But it's a trust factor. So do you trust the Lord implicitly, intimately, fully, with all your heart? Because that's the beginning of positioning yourself for God's guidance. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Now the next way to position ourselves and the thing we must do to position ourselves for guidance is this. He said, don't rely on your own understanding. How strange. Why would he say that? Don't rely on your own understanding. Now I want to be real clear here when he says that. He's not telling us to commit intellectual suicide. He's not saying that God didn't give you a brain and you can't figure something out. No, God gave us the ability to think rationally, to use common sense, to use critical thinking. God gave us a brain. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God gave us a brain and he wants us to use it. So he's not saying don't use your brain. We're to think rationally. We're to think with common sense. He gave us the ability to add two and two. God gave us that. So it's not telling us that. What it's telling us is when it comes to God's will, knowing God's will, understanding God's will, discerning God's will, uh, we're limited. Our mind, our intellectual capacity is limited. We're limited. Now I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why we're limited. Number one, our thinking was affected in the fall. Now, you may not like to hear that, but let me tell you something. When Adam fell, it affected everything. It affected nature. It affected life. When you look out there at all the sin, the disease, the tragedy, the heartache, the sorrow, that's all because of the fall. And our thinking was affected. How do you know that, Jeff? Well, because of verses like this. There is a way that people think is right. But the end leads to death. See, you and I, we can look at something, we can deduce, we can use common sense. We can say, well, that looks good. It feels good. It seems right. It looks right. It must be right. And we can be convinced it's right, but it's wrong. It will lead us astray because our thinking was skewed by the fall. All right? No doubt about it. Without God's guidance, 
People make decisions, smart people, brilliant people, high IQ people make dumb decisions all the time. And you look at them and you go, how in the world are you being so smart? Did you make that decision? Because our thinking is skewed by sin. That's just the fact. That's why we need God's word. Because every day, how many of you are like me? I open up the Bible in the morning and I begin to read that word and things that I thought The word goes the other way and tells me something different. And I realize that's why I need my mind renewed. Paul said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your thought life. We need our thoughts renewed. Our inner man is born again. It's good. It's going to heaven. Our inner man is saved 100%. But our mind, we came out of the world with stinking thinking. And we need our mind renewed, our thoughts renewed. We need to think right. And the Bible is a book of God's thoughts. It is God thoughts. That Bible is 66 books of God's thinking, God's thoughts. And when I read it, it sharpens my mind. It sharpens my thinking. It erases and replaces, erases wrong ways of thinking with replacing it with right ways of thinking. I need that Bible every day. This is why David prayed, and David was a very, very bright man. But David prayed, show me your ways. Lord, teach me your paths. Lord, guide me in your truth and teach me. Why would he pray that way? Because he realized without God showing me and teaching me and guiding me, I'm going to go the wrong way. So I need God. Show me, Lord. Listen to the dependence that he's got on God here. Show me, Lord. Show me your ways. Let me come to know you better every day. Your ways. But don't stop there, Lord. Teach me your path. I want to walk the right path. I don't want to walk down a wrong road. I don't want to waste time on a wrong highway. I, don't, I want the right path. And he says, Lord, please guide me. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me. Listen to this. Show me. Teach me. Guide me. Show me. Teach me. Guide me. Dependence on God. Amen. And he said, and my hope is in you all day long. And then God spoke to David and said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my loving eye on you. So it's almost like God heard that prayer, show me, teach me, guide me. And God said, okay, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my loving eye on you. So I want us to begin today to think, how often do I ask God to guide me? Do I see him as the guide of my life, the shepherd of my life, the captain of my ship? Is he guiding me? Am I seeking him for it? David was, Paul was, Peter was, all the Bible luminaries were. They all sought the guidance of God. And we're his children. So we got just not just a savior, we got a guide. We got a shepherd who wants to, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, I love it. And look, even in the 23rd Psalm, he says, he leads me beside the still waters of quietness. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
I will instruct you. I will teach you. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of good men are directed by the Lord. He delights in every step he takes. Amen. God is our guide. Can can I tell you, you individually, I'm talking right to everybody here individually. Did you know that God wants to guide your steps every day? He wants to be involved in your decision making. He, He wants to go ahead of you, prepare the way, and lead you to the best place you could possibly be. He he cares about the small stuff. He cares about the big stuff. He cares about the in-between. He cares if you lose your car keys. I know because I've lost them, and I had to say, God, please show me where they are, and he brought to me where they were. He cared about even the little things. He guided me. He guided me. Listen to David bragging on the guidance of God. For this great God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide until we die. Now notice how he's pictured as a guide, as a shepherd, uh, one who is, who is leading and directing his people. Cloud by day, fire by night, he led them through the wilderness. When the clouds stopped, they stopped. When the cloud moved on, they moved on. He taught them to follow the guidance of God. That was one of the messages of the wilderness. You wait for me. You don't go till I go. If I stop, you stop. I want you to learn to trust me to guide you. Psalm 73, 24, you will keep on guiding me all my life with your wisdom and counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me into the glories of heaven. Amen. Do you hear that? He's going to guide me all my life. I don't know if you've been in Christ maybe a year, 10 years, 20 years, but if you've been in Christ very long, you can look back and see he has guided you. He has directed you. He has counseled you. He has strengthened you. He has protected you. He has made sure that you've gotten where he wants you to be. He's forgiven you. He has stood you back on your feet when you fell. He has dusted you off and breathed fresh life into you. He is your guide all the way to heaven. He's your shepherd. In the book of James, James, uh, God is talking right through, through James and says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Why? Because so often we need his wisdom. And what will he do? He gives his wisdom. And he doesn't upbraid us for asking for wisdom. So we need his guidance because our minds don't think as clearly as they should because of sin. Now, it's also true because we don't see what God sees. We don't know what God knows. God sees things and knows things we don't see and we don't know. We're very limited in what we can see. We can see right in front of us, but not much beyond that. God knows it all. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God thinks higher. He is higher. He sees it all from 30,000 feet up. He's looking down at the whole picture. We only see a little part. And so we need his guidance because he knows what we don't know and he sees what we don't see. Do you believe that? Oh yeah, he does. You say, well, Jeff, I just learned to follow my heart. My heart has always led me right. No, it hasn't. 
Your heart hadn't led you right at all a whole lot of times. Some of the worst trouble you ever got in is because you followed your heart. Listen to the Bible. It says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Did it say that? Does it say that? I want everybody to read that with me. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be saved. He who listens to God's counsel, God's wisdom, the teaching of his word, the guidance of his spirit. If you lean on the wisdom and the knowledge of God, you're a wise person. But if you follow your heart, it's going to carry you into trouble. Emotions will get you in trouble. Your emotions and my emotions will lie to us and tell us something is right when it's wrong, good when it's bad, from God when it's not. No, we need the sifter of the word of God. We need the cutting edge of the word of God. We need God's word to guide us. Amen? He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. The great apostle Paul, with all of his brilliant insights, his dazzling intellect, the guy was a genius, and all of his spiritual understanding, yet he admitted, now we see things imperfectly. I see things imperfectly. So do you. What I think something is, sometimes it's not. We see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then in heaven, we're going to see everything with perfect clarity. But until we go to heaven, we don't. We see things imperfectly. And if Paul said that, where, where does that leave us? We see things imperfectly. So we need his word to clarify, crystallize what is true, what it's not what is wise, what is foolish, where we should go, where we shouldn't. We need his word. So we, instead of leaning on our own minds to figure everything out, we need to admit, my mind is limited. I need God's wisdom. And I need to pray with David. Show me, teach me, guide me. Amen? So I lean on, I trust in God's wisdom and counsel not my own mind. And then he says, if you want to position yourself for guidance, trust him. Don't lean on your own wisdom. And then he says, acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge. Acknowledge is an interesting word. It comes from a Hebrew word that just means to know. So when I say, uh, when it says, let me just quote it this way. In all your ways, acknowledge, know, and recognize him. If you know him, it's talking about somebody that knows him in all of your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. He's there. Now, let me tell you how that breaks down. It means first we acknowledge that he is when I'm making a decision, when I've got a fork in the road and I don't know which way to go. When there is a door looking at me and I'm being invited to walk through it, when I've got decisions to make that are big, life-changing, life-altering, okay? He says, acknowledge God then and there. So what do I do first? I acknowledge that he's there. Did you know there's a name for God, Jehovah Shammah, and it means literally he is there, the Lord is there. You say, where? There. Well, where's there? Here. He's with you. He's there. He's not off doing something else. If you are his child, he's there. We need to make a decision He's there. When you're in trouble, he's there. When you're down and out, he's there. When you need forgiveness, he's there. When you need deliverance, he's there. When you need healing, he's there. 
Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. So the first thing I say is when I've got a decision to make is, all right, he's there, meaning he's here, meaning he's right here with me. All right? Then I got to acknowledge who he is, not just that he is, but who he is. Who is he? He's the creator God. He's the mighty creator of the universe. There is nothing hidden from his eye. He's the one who fashioned and made everything we see and hear and taste and touch and smell. We, we serve the mighty creator Elohim God. Amen. So I, so I acknowledge him. I acknowledge him. Well, he's here, but he's also the mighty creator. I cannot avoid him. I can't act like he's not there because he's there. And then you've got to acknowledge who he is to you. Who is he to you? Who is he to me? He's my redeemer. He's my healer. He's my savior. He's my provider. He's my shepherd. He's my banner. He's my guide. He's my Lord of lords and king of kings. He's the soon coming king. He is everything to me. So I acknowledge him. I acknowledge him at the point of decisions. See, a lot of people don't even stop to think, does God care about this decision I'm about to make? Does, does he want to be involved? Is he out flinging other stars into space? Or is he really here for me when I've got to make this decision? No, he's really right there. And he wants to guide us. He wants to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. He wants to say, follow me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want you to take my yoke upon you. When I'm yoked to somebody, when I'm double yoked, when I've got somebody here, they're yoked, and I'm yoked, double yoked with them. Where they go, I go. When they stop, I stop. What they eat, I eat. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, and let's, let's walk through life double yoked. And, and where I go, you go. When I stop, you stop. Where I graze, you graze. And I will lead you into pastures of tender grass and waters of quietness. Amen? So acknowledge him, acknowledge him, acknowledge him. You acknowledge him at every fork in the road, at every turn, with every decision we make. We acknowledge his lordship. We acknowledge his supremacy. We acknowledge him when we go to the mall with that card and you walk into that store and you see all those things you really believe it's God's will for you to have. Have you ever stopped to think, he cares about what I'm about to do. So I'm going to pray, Lord, should I buy this? A lot of people don't even want to pray that. They don't want to hear no. So they just say, I'm just going to claim that whatever I get, Jehovah Jireh is going to help me pay it off. Forget the interest rate. Forget the debt. No, he's going to help me. But here's the thing. How about praying about who you're running with? Pray about who you're hanging with. Have you ever thought about praying, Lord, I'm starting to run around with these people. What do you think of these people? What is your take on these people? What, is, what do you think about this person as my friend? Choose your friends wisely, the Bible says. So what does God think about this person I'm about to date if you're single? Do you dare to ask God? You better ask him before you're in love. Because once you're in love, you're deaf, dumb, and stupid. You'll never hear God. 
It's a fact. Oh, I've talked to people in love and I knew it's too late. I can't tell them whatever I know about this person they've hooked up with. They're not going to hear a word I say because they're in love. So I'm telling you straight up front, pray about the guidance of God before you date them. I can hear some of you, boy, I wish I'd have stayed home today. Now you're in the right place. God wants you to hear. Because do you know that getting with the wrong person can affect you for the rest of your life? Oh, yeah. In all your ways, with every decision, acknowledge him. Okay, Lord, here I am. You're there. You're the creator of the universe. You're my savior. What do you think? What do I do? Show me. Teach me. Guide me. God's guidance can save your life. God's guidance can save you many a tear, many a regret. God's guidance. One of the best examples of this is David. Do you know that I did a little count? One and two Samuel are the biographical books uh, dedicated to telling us about David. And do you know that I counted nine times in one and two Samuel that it says David inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord before he went into a battle. He inquired of the Lord when he was in the battle. He inquired of the Lord after the battle. He inquired of the Lord about how to, where to run and hide from Saul who was trying to kill him. God's guidance literally saved his life. Saved his life. Lord, do I stay in this city? Is he coming here? God said, he's coming here. Get out of here. And saved his life. God's guidance can save your life and mine. He inquired of the Lord nine times, but I found two times he didn't inquire of the Lord. He did not inquire of the Lord about Bathsheba. And he did not inquire of the Lord about moving down into Ziklag because Ziklag is where he went to escape from Saul after being stalked for 10 years. Saul tried to kill him every day of 10 years. Finally, he said, I'm just going to go where the Philistines are and I'm going to take cover under the Philistines protection. He went to Ziklag and it does not say he inquired of the Lord. He did not inquire of the Lord. He just went and he got under the umbrella of the enemy's protection. God didn't lead him. And you don't find one psalm written by David while he was in Ziklag. It's like the well of inspiration had run dry. You know why? Because he was out of the will of God. God wanted him to trust him, not Philistines, whose champion he had already killed, Goliath. And he lived a lie in Ziklag. He lived a double life. He told King Akish of the Philistines, I'm going out every day and I'm killing your enemies. But he was in fact going out and killing the king's allies. And David had to lie. He lived a lie. He lived a double life and he went there out of the will of God. And we know from the story, he almost lost everything because the Amalekites raided it, took his family, his wives, his children, his belongings, and those of his men 
and he almost lost everything. Why? You can track it back. He did not say, should I go live in Ziklag? He didn't inquire of the Lord. Amen. It pays to inquire of the Lord. It pays to inquire of the Lord. There's two kinds of people in life. Those that acknowledge the presence and the wisdom and the Lordship of Christ, and they make wise decisions. And those who don't even think about inquiring of God. Psalms 10 verse 4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. But the wise man or woman will first thing when a decision is there, an opportunity, a fork in the road, a juncture, a point of decision, will go and inquire of the Lord. What do you say? What, what are you saying to me? He say, well, Jeff, how do I know if God is guiding me next week? Stand up with me, would you? <laughs> In the first service, they booed me and almost walked out when I said that. <laughs> but watch this. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. Because here, we, you're, you're going, well, sure, I can go inquire of the Lord. What do you say about this? Where should I go? What decision, decision should I make? How do I know? That's next week. How does he direct your path? How do you know he's directing your path? What does it look like when he's direct? What are the signs that he's directing your path? Next week. Don't shout me down. I got to deal with this in bite-sized chunks. This is a lot. Guidance is crucial. How many of you can look back at some point in your life when God was trying to break through with his wisdom into you uh, with, with a decision and you didn't listen to the wisdom and went your own way. How many of you remember? How many of you are still hurting a little bit from that decision? How many of you can look back and say, uh, there was a time when God stopped me from making a decision and led me his way, and I went his way, and I'm so thankful I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got two little puppies. I don't know what I was thinking. I've double guessed it for a, a long time. I got them six months ago or so. Two little schnauzers. Oh my, they have been a trial. Y'all pray for me. Anyway, but here's the thing. I've noticed when you first get them, they don't acknowledge me. And when they're going to chase that squirrel, they don't care what I think. They just chase the squirrel. When they hear me call them to come back, they don't even hear me. They don't even look around to see me calling them back. They don't acknowledge me. But when they come under some discipline and they get to know me and we bond, I've noticed they see the squirrel and they look up at me. You know what they're doing? Acknowledging me. Can I do it? Can I not do it? Should I run? Should I not? What do you think, boss? And then I know, hey, we're starting to get along now because you acknowledge me. Same way with us and God. It gets to the point where with every decision, we look up. What do you say? And he wants to speak. He wants to guide you. And you'll always end up in a better place 
than what you would have picked. So can we lift our hands to the Lord today? And let's pray together. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to guide my life. I need you to lead me. Let's pray with David. Say, show me, teach me, guide me so that I walk in wisdom. I sense the Lord here today. I'm going to tell you something. Listen carefully. I'm just going to, I'm just going to call it out. Some of you have ended up in a, in a spiritual sticker patch. Every step you take, you're stepping on stickers. You let God guide you, and He's going to make a way out of there where there is no way. He makes a road in the wilderness and he makes rivers in dry places. He guides us. Not only does he guide us in, he guides us out. And wherever you are in your walk with him, if you're in a sticker patch, I want you to say, Lord, thank you. You're gonna guide me out if I obey your word. He will guide you out if you obey his word. Some of you are in a place where you feel like you're in total limbo. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what decision to make. I tell you today, look to God, the guide, the shepherd, and say, shepherd, what should I do? Say with Hezekiah, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And the shepherd will speak to you and say, this is the way, walk you in it. Because he's got a place, he's got a timing, he's got a will for you, a purpose. And he will guide you to it. In the mighty name of Jesus, he will guide you to it. I'm gonna ask some of my prayers to come down. Life group leaders, prayers, I want you to come down. Life group leaders, come on pastoral staff come down and just line up here and we're going to pray with people. How many of you can say pastor I needed that today in Jesus name. I needed that. Yeah. I needed that. I've had people meet me in this altar who backslid real bad. Okay, They backslid and they, they would say to me and they did say to me I went so far down I can't imagine God forgiving me and what in the world am I going to do now? I say the very first thing you do is you get right with God. And then you follow his guidance. All right? You follow his guidance. You follow his word. You just start obeying him. And he will guide you back into a good place. No matter how far down you went. Amen? Yes, he will. How many of you are glad you came to the house of God today? Rain and all, rain and all. Now I gotta ask this, this question. How many of you are having a Super Bowl party today? One, oh, I got a sanctified congregation. I only see two or three, but look here. 
He's totally backslidden. Ronnie, right here. We'll pray for Ronnie. I, can, can, can I tell you the truth? I could care less. I don't care. Maybe, now I know I probably lost some of you right there. I'm not going back. He doesn't care about football. No, I do care about, I do care about scoring spiritual touchdowns. I do care about that. All right. Speaking of, uh, we're about to dismiss, but I want to invite you to Wednesday night. Wednesday night, I've been doing a series called Things You Thought You Knew. And I've been dealing with all kinds of hot button top topics. Uh, the Nephilim, we dealt with that. You know, the fallen angels marrying earthly women. Is that really true? Things you thought you knew. I talked about the book of Enoch, the book of the apocryphal, uh, the apocryphal books. Talked about those. Uh, I've dealt, now, this Wednesday, I'm going to go where a few pre preachers dare go. But here's where I'm going. Things you thought you knew. Some of you think you know this. And I've had people recently tell me this. Here's what you thought you knew. Jesus never said anything about gay marriage or homosexuality. So therefore, it's okay. That's something some of you think you know. I'm not going to be in the least bit condescending. I'm simply going to open up the Word of God and we'll see if what you thought you knew was right or wrong. Why am I dealing with these things? Because every one of us deals with this every week. And these thoughts and these ideas and these concepts have affected our entire culture and the church. Well, I can either act like it's not there and hide or I can speak out on what God's word says about it. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of starting to feel my Cheerios a little bit. So I think I'm going to go into some more things after this Wednesday that our culture thinks they know. But what does God's word say about it? So as long as I'm in trouble, I might as well get in real big trouble, right? All right. So I'm going to do that Wednesday night. And again, not without any, with no condescension, no finger pointing, none of that. Because listen, but for the grace of God, I would be a great big mess. What about you? So it's just going to be looking at God's word. So I invite you to come. Nothing on TV is better than what you're going to get right here. Amen. Amen? All right. Uh, I'm glad you came today. I want you to drive carefully. I know it's been wet out and nasty. So I'm going to pray for you as we go. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Yes. And uh, I told the first service. Um, we lost our Vivian Scott Thursday evening. Maybe uh, some of you don't know Vivian, many of you do, but she was just a dear, precious sister. And she battled cancer for, I think, five years. And Thursday night, she went home. We need to pray for Dennis, a uh, wonderful guy, wonderful man here in our congregation, his children. One of his, her granddaughters this morning was here in the early service and joined our church. Yeah. So it was good. We need to pray for Dennis and his family. Many people in our church are struggling. And I believe there's a healer in the house today.
I do. So can we go ahead and do that? Lord, we give Dennis to you, his children, his grandchildren. He's embarking now on some very tough days. And Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, we agree. You will heal him, hold him up, strengthen him, his children, grandchildren. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you for the wonderful legacy Sweet Vivian leaves in this church. We thank you for it. And I pray your face shines on everybody here. Guide us, Lord, as we leave. And thank you that you're the guide of our life. In Jesus' name, I'm going to count to three. And I want us to shout together, the Lord is my shepherd. And you go out and have a great week. And we'll see many of you Wednesday night. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. He is. God bless you.